opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hi, everybody, and welcome once again to Sports Roundtable. I am Bob Ranko. Good to be here with all of you today. This is episode 314, dated Monday, November 13th, 2023. Before we continue, allow me to introduce our spelunkers that we have today. First, let me introduce Peter Alchel from Coos Bay, Oregon. Good afternoon from a, a typical dreary, uh, cool-ish day, but no rain here today. So we're, we're happy, and we're happy that the Ducks, quack, 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 are doing well in college football. Don Wardlow from New Jersey. Yep, it's not raining here, but it's cold. It's what it should be for mid-November. Uh, Luther King, I'm not sure if you're here yet, but if you are, you can let us know that you're here. Otherwise, I'm sure that when you arrive, you will let us know and we'll proceed from there. Let me thank those people who make it possible for our show to be aired. We start out with Raymond Gay, our producer. Thank you for what you do. And also to Tom and Lynn from Rosie's Place Chatline. They post our shows on Greeting Door 14. Thank you for that. I also want to thank the media sources for airing us when they do. That's very important. And also, Jacqueline Sylvia from JS Web Solutions. She archives our programs on my website. All you need to do is go to www.brancoevents.com. Arrow down until you get the Sports Roundtable podcasts. Click on that, and you will see most of our archived shows from latest to earliest. Merci, Jackie. And I want to thank also at this time Deanna for being our host for today. Deanna, thank you so much for taking the time to help us out today. We really appreciate that. And also to Brad for streaming on ACB Media 5. As a matter of fact, what I'd like to do for those people who are recipients of that stream, let me give out an email address in case anybody has any questions or comments about our show. That would be bobbranco93 at gmail.com. That's bobbranco, B-O-B-B-R-A-N-C-O, 93 at gmail.com. What I thought we would do today is start out with lead stories. If anybody has a lead story, they can uh, bring it up, and maybe we can talk about it for a couple of minutes before we go further with the show. So, Don, you have a lead story, so why don't I start out with you, and you can tell us what's on your mind in the oh, world of sports. Okay, and I'll try to keep it relatively tight, because I know it's what you call a niche sport. It's not a sport, you know, everybody cares for. It's my second favorite sport now, with boxing going to the dogs. My second favorite sport after baseball is women's. College basketball and my beloved Yukon Huskies took a shocking defeat yesterday against an unranked opponent who are ranked now, I might add. They're number 14 in the country. NC State, North Carolina State. The only good thing I can say is it didn't happen at Yukon. That would have been even worse, you know, losing in their own house which is what Rutgers did against Auburn. That was, that was, that was appalling. But UConn, the, you know, the excuses are over. Nobody's injured yet. Um, 
Paige Beckers did what Paige Beckers does. She scored 27 points. But the rest of the team didn't do what they are supposed to do and what Coach Gino recruited them to do, which is to play behind Paige Beckers. So they ended up a 92-81 to 81 loss. It wasn't as bad as the loss in the Sweet 16 last year to Ohio State. They were never in that contest. UConn, you know, had a chance in this, this ball game until really the fourth quarter. They packed it in in the fourth quarter, which they did a couple times last year, but you could get away with it last year with the injuries. But the Huskies need to pull up their bootstraps and get other people besides Beckers playing if they want to continue with the very difficult schedule they have until their conference play gets started. That's when they play the teams that are, really aren't very good. Well, well, so, thank Go ahead, Peter. So, um, Don, do you I, – I, I, I'm reminded of Bill Belichick in a very strange way. Um, and so this question sort of applies to both. Uh, is it time for Gino to go gracefully into that retirement dark night? Uh, let's see what this year brings. If this year doesn't bring either a national championship or final four, or at the very least an elite eight, there's going to have to be a talk at the higher levels with Coach Gino. And, you know, he, he is old, older, I think, than anybody on this panel. And so if he does retire, you know, it, it can at least be dignified. You know, it's not like somebody in his 40s who would have to be fired or, or even his 50s. But it could be a dignified retirement after, goodness, he's been coaching since 1985, and he did bring the team bunches of national championships, so it would have to be, I hope, a dignified ending. Mm -hmm. I wanted to, while I'm thinking about it, acknowledge Reverend Michael Garrett. I didn't do that at the intro. He may not be with us this afternoon. I believe he's traveling. We'll miss you, Reverend. Hopefully you get a chance to drop in. If not, we'll look forward to talking with you next week. My lead is a rant actually. And it's one that I've discussed with people off the show. I may have even talked about it a couple of times on the show. Peter, you mentioned Bill Belichick, and I'm kind of glad you did. I don't understand why he is still being canonized as the greatest coach of all time in the NFL. You look at his win-loss record when he coaches teams without Tom Brady on them. And I don't care if it's Cleveland or New England or wherever he coached. When Brady is not on his rosters, he's below 500. Below 500. How does that make him the greatest coach of all time? I used to ask people after Brady left, who was more responsible for the Super Bowls that we won on for our dynasty here in New England? And it was either Brady or Belichick. The more the time goes by, to me, it's more obvious that Brady had a lot more to do with this dynasty than Bill Belichick ever did. I know Brady wasn't the only one. He had a great surrounding cast, but don't forget, he had Scott Pioli as the general manager. There is no Scott Pioli anymore. Belichick is his own general manager, and I'm not sure how good of a job he's doing at that position. The past few years have been disasters draft-wise for the most part, 
So again, why is he still ranked as the GOAT of the NFL? I don't get that. Comments, anybody? Uh, uh, just just a, th- uh, a, a th- um, housekeeping matter. Uh, if those uh, folks want to join us uh, after we have our rants, please feel free to raise your hand and we will take your comments in order in which the hands were raised. So we we hope we'll get lots of uh, audience support this this week as we do every week. Um, so thank you, Bob. Uh, but Bob, I want to sort of respond to you. I, I've always thought in coaching that there's sort of two categories of coaches that that go on in, in sports, and I'm going to generalize a little bit. One are the, the coaches who are really good at getting teams from being terrible to being pretty good, right? You know, uh, I'm sure we, we can think of there were uh, coaches who who's come on from a team who was number one or two as, as they had the two or one first or second best record. And over a two or three or four year period, they become playoff material. And they, they, they play pretty well. I'm thinking of, for example, the New York Knicks head coach, it's a sort of a bad example, but you know, the, the Knicks were terrible for many years. And for the past two out of three years, they made the playoffs, but nobody misunderstands the Knicks as being uh, very good, you know? Uh, and I think in order for the Knicks to get very good, they've got to get more talent but they're probably also going to, have to change coaches uh, to go to the next level from sort of being a mediocre playoff team to an elite team. I don't know of any coaches, many coaches who uh, started, you know, who, who are good at all those things, starting starting from the, you know, uh, from the, uh, you know, getting a, a, a team from the lowest of the low to the highest of the high. Usually it requires at least two or three different coaches on the same team for, for you know, for the, uh, a, a world championship to emerge. So, and, and it may be different for baseball, Don. I'm so curious to know what your take on that is. But before I move on, so Bill Belichick, I think, falls into the second category. And I'm thinking of, of Phil Jackson, too. Phil Jackson with the Bulls and the Lakers, with, with the star teams that they had, were really was really, really good. Um, but when he didn't have stars, like when Phil coached the Knicks, he was not only mediocre, he was dreadful. Um, but yet Phil is considered one of the best coaches in the NBA. Maybe not the best, but certainly one of the best. I think the same applies to Belichick. Belichick, and it takes a special skill to to work with with uh, star, you know, really uh, star-studded teams. Um, that's a special skill, sort of hard to describe, but it's one thing to get a team that's has no talent to mediocre talent and have have them play well. And then when you have these scars and the ego and egos and all this stuff, that's a different set of coaching skills sometimes. And but, well, I think the problem is he, Bill Belichick is picking the talent and he has shown us that he doesn't do a great job picking it. Pioli. I, I, I agree. Job. I agree. I'm not, I'm not, I, he's, I don't think he's the best coach of all time by any stretch, but he's probably in the top 10. You know, I mean, when, when you have a run like he had, uh, winning how many Super Bowls did he win? How many Super Bowls were were, were they in? And how many six out of I think it was I think he was in nine of them. He won six. Well, that's that's pretty good. I mean, I don't care any way you look at it. That's pretty good. Um, but you're right. I mean, with, without Brady, he's been either mediocre or, or this year downright dreadful. And I think this year, I I think my sense is he's just too old. You know, they're you know not old. Not all people are are, are uh, you know are dysfunctional but i think i think the football may have passed him by i think it may be time for him to what about the possibility how about this theory peter and anybody else it's been said that maybe 
it's because he's so used to old school football. He hasn't caught up to modern day football yet. That may be true. That may be true. And yet we all, Don, I'm sure you could talk into this better than I can, but there are plenty of older baseball managers uh, who have done really remarkably, you know, really well. Dusty Baker comes to mind and Bochy, right, comes to mind immediately. I think they're both, you know, older people. Um, but many, and, and some managers don't weather the aging as well. Am I missing something, Don? You've got two hands up. Thank you. Don, did you hear me? Don? I'm sorry about that, Peter. I didn't catch what you said. I was just talking about there There are some at baseball. What My basic comment was, and I, for those with Ray Hands, uh, uh, hang in there. We, we, we have not forgotten you. Um, for uh, in baseball, there seems to be managers who can who can, who can start the process from a lousy team to a really good team, you know, and you know over a three or four year period. And it's not necessarily true in other sports. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, Billy Martin certainly did. Sure, Dusty Baker did. Bruce Bochy's done it. And yes, it, it it Tony. Yes, it can happen. Whereas it, I, I think for other sports, the footballs, the basketballs, the hockey, it's less likely to happen. And I'm not quite sure why that is, but it, but it, it is as it is. And then we were talking about Don, the whole issue of older versus younger managers. Belichick just the sort of the sport may have passed him by, but we all know of older folks who were quite successful in their sports. And you, you mentioned a bunch in baseball. Um, you have uh, uh, the Alabama football coach, you know, who's you know, still playing really, really well, uh, you know, coaching really, really well. But there's some of us older people who have sort of dropped the balls that were it's time for us to find other things to do with our lives. Exactly. Uh, Luther, have you arrived yet? Okay, so what we're going to do is... We I'm have, sorry? I've got a phone number. Would he come under under a name or a phone number? I he do not know. Name. I think he comes in with his name. Okay, haven't seen him. So, okay. Peter, we're going to go with your lead, and then if Luther doesn't come in by the time you're finished, we'll we'll invite the people who raised their hands to come in. All right, don't don't give up on us. Raised hands, we we'll get to you. So, I've been I've been pondering. We all and on for those of you who have listened to Sports Roundtable, we've made lots of fun of the Houston Astros cheating scandal with it with the pounding trash cans, and and all of us have ridiculed them for good reason. They that deserves ridicule, uh, and. Uh, and now they've sort of seemed to have gone beyond that and still are playing good baseball. Okay, so good. And now we have what's going on at the University of Michigan's football program. Harbaugh. Uh, Harbaugh, where he has been uh, accused of stealing signs and, and in, a, in a major way. Um, and, and it got me to thinking that um, athletes, when they're learning how to play the sport, one of the things they learn, especially as they get to elite levels, as how to game the system, how to um, uh, pretend or even emphasize that fouls have been committed, so the refs are more likely to call them. You know the 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 falls. You know all the stuff that in hockey there's you know uh, and football too. There's sometimes where they try to try to make the uh, official call a foul that didn't actually happen. We all know this happens, and it's part of what athletes are trained to do, um, for better or for worse. And so this, so these sort of hacks that go on in sports, um, I should say, when I when I used to tutor uh, University of Missouri athletes, they talk about this once in a while. Yeah, we sort of learn how to do how to do this and that. It's not 
it's not cheating per se, but it sort of is, and it sort of isn't, and it's kind of sleazy, but well, we, you know, it's part part of it's part of the game and how how it's played. And stealing signs in baseball has been an ongoing tradition. And um stealing signs in football has been an ongoing tradition. And so when the Michigan the Harbaugh does this thing, he, he's getting ridiculed for it. It's not quite clear what's going to happen. He was suspended last week. He may be um, coming back this week if a, if a court hearing says to the NCAA, you've overstepped your bounds. But I I guess my, my main comment is sometimes it's hard to draw the difference between this, these sort of hacks that athletes are, tra- the, the sort of elite athletes are trained to, to do to, to uh, strengthen their case, as it were, and the, the outright cheating that definitely the Astros took part in. And it, I, I don't quite know what happened with the Michigan team, but it sounds like they, the NCAA had some pretty strong evidence. So I'm just sort of uh, wondering, in some how do you distinguish the sort of standard level sort of life hacks, sort of quasi-cheating from the real thing? Hmm. I don't know. Don, what do you think? I, uh... it, it depends how involved the cheating gets. I mean, the the Astros had a really sophisticated level of cheating going on and should have gotten a lot harder pen- punishment for what they did. And I don't know that much about the Michigan situation, what exactly they were doing. and But the penalty seems meaningless because... Harbaugh, they said, from what I understood, that he was banished through the week, but he was allowed on game day. But you think about it, they do what they do through the week. They can get along without the boss on game day. Well, Harbaugh has been suspended right now for the rest of the season. But your point is well taken. He he can he can prepare the team um, for uh, you know during the week. But I, I don't pretend to be an expert on on uh, uh, you know on on team sports. But usually having the coach there during game day is important, as for no for no other reason, sort of psychological support. And you know, and Harbaugh's a pretty good game manager. And so I think it is it is a you know it, it is a pretty big deal that he was that the NCAA told him. You can't you can't coach during the actual game. Uh, my understanding of what what happened, and hopefully some of our guests are might have a better feel for this. Our audience uh, hand raisers um, that they 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 hired uh, somebody who flew into uh, the uh, sites where games are going to be played and pretended to be a a uh, employee of, of the team they were they were going to be playing, and so they would they they would sort of be there and sort of learn the signs and then and then communicate them back which strikes me if that's true if i have it right as sort of over the top stuff like what happened with the astros the thing is we don't really know what happened yet and and um uh so it's it, the whole thing is still in the air but there's going to be a court hearing i think on friday and the judge may say either yay uh the suspension holds or nay you uh, unca people are too quick let, let you know uh, you get more get more data and and we'll talk next year. So anyway, uh, and of course Michigan is one of the top teams in the country. That's what that's why they want to do this early to really punish the you know the team for for taking advantage of the system. 
making them as good as they are. My question is, you know, Harbaugh's been a coach in football for a long, long time. Why would he choose now to do something like this? I don't want to get uh, – Harbaugh has a reputation of, of, of playing on the edges. Uh, this isn't the first time. he, he, he when, when sportscasters talk with him, they, they say he's a great coach, and then you hear the butt. And the butt is he tends to skate on the edges. Um, you know, he was suspended earlier this year because of, of uh, stuff he, he pulled during recruiting. So, he, he, you know, he's, he's, he's on the edge. So, uh, you know, let's huh. see what happens in, fu- in future, in future, uh, you know, uh, the story will continue. Okay, so Deanna, we can uh, take the raised hands now. You can let us okay. know who's... Okay, the first one up is a phone number, 626-3388. That's a Mitchell. It sounds like Mitch to me. It is, it is. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Mitch. What's on I'm your back. mind? Oh, yes. Well... I could comment on, on on every topic you've raised so far, but let me let me uh, start by talking about what's happening with Michigan. Peter, a correction, and this is a major big deal. This has nothing to do with the NCAA. This suspension was imposed by the Big Ten. Oh, right. You're right. Sorry. And and that's significant because the NCAA, and of course nobody respects them anyway, but the NCAA was going to is is beginning to launch its own investigation, which, based on their past history, could take a couple of years. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that does the Big Ten have that authority? That's one question, and the second point is this has just opened up Pandora's box. Right. Because the second part to the story is that Ohio State and Purdue, and there's a third school involved, may have been doing the same thing, selling and or giving uh, this information away to another school. So this is just the tip of the iceberg, and my, my guess is, given the nature of big-time college football, is this this will open up you're going to find out that most of your top schools have uh, have done things similar to this but this really is going to raise the issue does a a conference have the right to take action uh separate and apart from from the NCAA which allegedly is the governing body of college athletes so this is just the beginning um, I, I think that there are a lot of people who don't like Harbaugh, so they took this opportunity and, and yeah, it may be over the top, although I, I really believe this has been going on for years, but, but they have, they have a, a thing against Harbaugh because of his success and they've, uh, they've opened this can of worms and I think that it's going to come back to bite a bunch of the other schools. That's, that's my first, my first comment. And I think you're right, by the way. Uh, although I would say it's not just that Harbor is a winner. He's, he's arrogant as well. You know, yeah. he, he, he flaunts it. Yeah. I think that's yeah. the other issue. My, my second comment and Don, I don't usually talk about women's college basketball, except that uh, on the same day that my USC Trojan basketball team uh, took down Kansas state uh, with um, probably the best freshman point guard in the country, Isaiah, 
Isaiah Collier. Keep keep an eye on this young man. But we have apparently a freshman lady who is is just as skillful. And all I remember is her first, or what they call her, is Juju. But apparently she's something special. And USC women took down one of the top uh, ten women's uh, programs as well the same day in Las Vegas. And I wish I could remember the the young lady's name. But apparently uh, uh, she's quite special as well. So look out for USC uh, basketball and and, uh, women's and men's which is a good thing because of the last three weeks of USC football. I've been to two of those games. The only good thing that came out of the Washington uh, game is that uh, Lincoln Riley finally got up off of his butt and fired his buddy, the defensive coordinator. Um, A friend of mine sent me an article this morning. Uh, Someone, the author polled a, um, a Pac-10 or Pac-12 coach about uh, about the USC football uh, defense, and the and the uh, coach said uh, they don't know how to execute. They don't know they don't know the basics of playing defense, um, which is quite a damning indictment of uh, of Alex Grinch. Uh, with any luck, he won't uh, he won't no one will be dumb enough to hire him as a defensive coordinator, but that's the only good thing that's come out of the last three USC losses is that, that Riley finally decided I better, I better fire, fire my defensive coordinator. Um, so, so you're unemployed, Mr. Grinch. Yes. Mr. Grinch is going to have to go and deal with Christmas, I guess. Is that his real name? Grinch? Yes. Same spelling. <laughs> and, and to your last subject, uh, Juju Watkins is her name. Watkins, thank you. And, and she is apparently bad Juju as far as Ohio State <laughs> is concerned. Yeah, because that's OSU lost to the women of Troy, eighty-three seventy-four. Yep. So, yeah. and and she was she she was spinning her magic that day, and well. She's not it, on it, Connecticut's schedule, so I'm not likely to, to catch her. But. Yeah, you won't have to until until the uh, until the tournament, Don. Until the tournament. Yeah, uh, but and this, USC is not on uh, Varsity Network, which is unfortunate because I wouldn't be able to listen to her that way. Yeah, but but you know I've I've caught the the two games with Isaiah Collier, and he is something special. He really is. He he pa- he he's a little foul prone. But uh, that'll that'll get uh, taken care of. But but the man is a passing whiz, and um, our our second game was against uh, Cal State uh, Bakersfield, which is which is no great shakes. But right. um, we we have uh, Dennis Rodman's uh, son as a grad transfer DJ, and uh, he's only six six, but he's he's a demon on the boards. Well, that'll be worth worth watching. I think. I, I thank you for the heads up. Now that I am a uh, Oregonian, um, I mm-hmm. start start paying attention to this uh, over over time. Um, I I wanted to uh, thank you for uh, the USC for for giving Oregon a reasonably so easy time. It could have been a lot, <laughs> yeah. a, a lot, it could have been a lot harder. Um, yeah. you know, well, we knew we knew what to expect. The only the only 
you know, the only positive is is we held Oregon to fewer points and uh, Washington scored on us. Well, that's true. Uh, and <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but I, but I, I mean, getting to the Pac-12, uh, Mitch, I know USC is now, you know, long out of the race, but now it appears between Oregon, Oregon State, and Washington are the are the three teams, and and Oregon State, Washington plays Oregon State at Oregon State uh, next uh, next week. And and then Oregon, you know, so we're, it's going to come down to those, you know, those those games, I think. Even though even though Washington beat Oregon, um, right. I think what I saw, Oregon's defense is a little better than Washington's. Well, I think um, Oregon's coach gave the game away for personally, though. It's some really stupid <laughs> that was yeah, made. I, that's I, yeah, I, I don't think Oregon State, I, I think they're a pretender. I really I really do, but I think I think Oregon and Washington will be in the uh, the championship because they're not doing it in the last year right. of the Pac-12 by division, and uh, that game will be at Stanford, I think, because uh, the last several years the games have been up at uh, up in that area. But I I really think uh, I think Oregon will take them this time because Oregon's defense is just a tad better. Well, we'll see. about Oregon, Oregon, Oregon State's always uh, unpredictable. I mean, now, the game, the game is at, at Eugene this year. It is, it is. But, yeah. but you know, the, it's just unpredictable. You, you, I mean, yeah. you know, even before we moved out here, which was you know two months ago, you, yeah. you know, you, you think you know who's going to win, and every you know, it seems yeah, to, you know, so yep. Um, so well, I'll be at FC UCLA Saturday, and and hopefully our our bad defense will will be able to stop UCLA. UCLA's non-existent offense. Uh, well, uh, yes, right. UCLA's offense is not. That's true. It's not very good. So, Mitch, no. I know you're not an LA Clippers fan, but no, I, I'm I, not. But but I I, ha- <laughs> I have to comment. Uh, James and, Harden and Russell James. Russell Westbrook. Yes, yes, yes. Well, they um, were together in Oklahoma City, so. Yeah, but but well, I find it fascinating, and I, that that ever since Harden went to the Clippers, I think the Clippers are zero and they're zero and four, zero and four, and the Sixers since lose uh, getting rid of Harden are like four and zero or four. The Sixers are a great team. I got to you know, tell you, what, Joe. I, I, I hope you're on. I don't know what that. What says they're going to have to figure what what uh, what the code what Ty Lu said. Uh, I guess after the loss uh, Saturday, I thought was interesting. We've got to figure out roles. For Harden and Westbrook, which tells me that he he's finally understood that you can't play them both on the floor at the same time. Well, they wanted him. I know well, they I, wanted I, I just, him. I, I to me, it's just an astounding thing that I mean, why would anybody want James Harden? I, I just uh, it's, it, it's beyond. I'm me. not sure why uh, why why the Clippers wanted Russell Westbrook. Frankly, I think they're two peas in a pod. Yeah, well, yeah, well, they they sort of worked well in was it Oklahoma City or yeah, they, but that was ten years ago. Yeah, they I were know, a lot younger with a lot yeah. less ego. Yeah, well, you're right. I mean, I I I I'm just sort of floored. Um, and the Lakers don't seem to be doing much better these days. Um, the Lakers did win last night without LeBron. We still have a couple of injuries. Um, I don't understand how this tournament fits into. To the regular season, I'm really not paying attention to that. Except we I, play I'll Memphis Tuesday a with a gold floor. It's crazy. Yeah, Here's what's going to happen? The first two or three rounds, or whatever amount of rounds they are, are part of the schedule. They're part of the NBA schedule. Yeah. The part that yeah. baffles me is the period between December second 
and December 11th, where no official NBA scheduled games are scheduled on. Well, my copy of the NBA schedule does not include any games at all from December 2nd to December 11th. Now, somebody says, well, you got scheduled games during that bye week. It's just that we don't know who's playing. Well, how do you make a schedule and include games that you don't know who's playing? I always was <laughs> yeah, under well. the impression. I was under the impression that that bye week, I call it a bye week of nine days, allows for the finals and the semifinals to be played outside the schedule because they're unknown. It's almost like regular playoffs. And then on the 11th, you go right back to the schedule again. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe no, that's I don't know. It sounds right. It's a gimmick, and I don't. I'm not much into gimmicks. Yeah, Mitch, it's a make, gimmick. It's yeah. also a farce. Well, I agree. I want to make one final comment about Ron Washington. Uh, the Angels just hired him, and I heard he was 71. Although um, that's a, I remember when he played AAA for the Dodgers for a couple of years, and of course his story is interesting because he publicly has talked very openly about overcoming his drug addiction. I think he was into cocaine. And and I'm I really hope he does well with the Angels. I'm not an, an Angels fan, but I'm a Ron Washington fan and I really hope the man uh, he he clearly is an, another older coach uh slash manager who seems to be able to get the most out of uh out of his players, so I'm I'm wishing for Ron Washington the best, and I may follow follow the Angels a little more next oh, year gonna, with him as manager. The Angels have a complete overhaul in the works. They, Absolutely, Renfro Renfro is up, Otani is up, I think Giolito is up. I'm sure yep. I'm missing a few guys that are up, and they and I'm hearing I'm hearing they want to trade Trout. Well, they get a lot for him, uh, and it would make sense. Because he is a Jersey boy, it would make sense to trade him to the Yankees. Yankees are trying to get Soto, but I think they'd be better off uh, clubhouse-wise to have Mike Trout rather than uh, Juan Soto. I'm hearing a rumor. I'm not sure if you heard this, and it's only a rumor. Yankees would like to give up Labor Torres for Alex Verdugo. Red Sox and Yankees. Yes, I heard that. I heard that this morning. I heard that this morning, and I'm I'm a Verdugo fan when he was with us, except that. He tends to be a little bit of a of a free spirit. He has a discipline uh, I know he got, issue. Yeah, yeah. So, but that would be perfect for the Yankees, wouldn't it? They need another outfielder. That would be better <laughs> better than a guy who spends all his time injured, which is what Stanton does, and it's what one of the guys you were talking about us getting does. Juan not? Soto. They're they're looking at Soto, and those would be two peas in a pod. Verdugo, I don't know how much time he spends injured. I, I just, I mean, I come back to the Yankees. It seems what the Yankees need. I mean, you know, they, they could improve in lots of areas. But until their pitching gets straightened out, they're not going to go anywhere. I mean, their, their pitching is just is just. Well, shady. that applies to several teams, including my Dodgers. Yes, well, that's true. But the Dodgers have done better over the, over the past several years than the Yankees have. You know, the Dodgers make the playoffs. They just, they just, we, we make the playoffs, but we seem to have an issue with pitchers who are uh, injury prone. Yeah, well, that's true. Uh, Kershaw for <laughs> one. But, you know, better than the Mets, who are just pathetic, you know. So, you know, the Mets underachieved big time. Everybody has issues with pitching, and it's because pitchers are being asked to do 
something unnatural, which is to throw repeatedly at 100 MPH or better. Amen, they, Don. If they'd scale it back to even 90 to 95, I'll bet you there wouldn't be the injuries that we're seeing now. I'd like to get hold of an athletic trainer. I did have a letter from one, but I haven't heard back from him. It's analytics. Don, you know, the other piece to that is that that hitters are geared toward hitting fastballs. If if you had uh, more of an emphasis on a pitcher throwing a breaking ball or a slider change up, um, you know, a team might do better to have a couple of uh, a couple of uh, guys who whose primary pitches were not hundred mile an hour fastballs. Yeah, he'd stand them on their heads, as my mm-hmm. old doctor my old doctor used to put it that way. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, there used to be more pitchers who did you know live by the the curve and the change the sinker slider guys they used to have more of them in the 70s and 80s but just the last decade or so everything's got to be 100 miles an hour and that in you know no, no doubt leads to injuries so many tommy john surgeries and i think you're right don i think that's why mitch before you disappear i i'm curious if yeah. you have any thoughts about um the Los Angeles Chargers, who I find to be just a total <laughs> enigma. They should be so much better than they are. They lose to the Lions, who are a good team. But I thought their defense was decent. It clearly is not. No, um, their defense their defense is horrible. Yeah. Um, Brandon Staley is, is probably even a poorer excuse for a coach than uh, Nathaniel Hackett, except yeah. that Staley was allegedly a defensive coach and Hackett was allegedly an offensive coach. Um, it, it's, it's similar to, uh, to, to my comment about uh, uh, how USC, they should have fired uh, Grinch uh, before the season started. They, they, they should have fired Staley uh, after, after last year's debacle. Yeah. Um, he, he is just, he doesn't get it. And 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 by the way, uh, Bob, you didn't even mention you were talking about Belichick. I was actually up and in my recliner with uh, Westwood uh, one on at six thirty my time Sunday, and uh, the the two announcers were just totally aghast at the uh, the punt where Belichick didn't even send anyone back to uh, to receive. They had eleven guys up. And uh, I think it was a 70-yard punt because there was no one back for New England to pick it up. Uh, you know, that was – talk about a bonehead play. Well, right. there's a picture on social media where Belichick's got his head in his hands after the game was over yesterday. He was excited <laughs> on Saturday because, you know, being in Germany is new to him, so he got excited. Finally, he got excited about something. Maybe he had too much uh, knockwurst the night before, but uh, I'll let you guys get on with it. I'll, uh, I'll be listening, and, uh, and uh, hopefully I uh, won't be too busy to call in next week. Yeah. All Join right, us. Mitch. Thank, thank you, Mitch. Pete, Pete, Peter, that's take, a very good impersonation of Bill Belichick. Uh, thank you, Mitch. <laughs> uh, Deanna, who's next? who's next? Malcolm Cole has his hand up. Malcolm. Hello, guys. Yes, sir. Uh, I have quite a few things to say. First of all, I would like to know why a basketball is a coach, a football is a coach, but a baseball is a manager. Hmm. 
Hockey's a coach too. Basically, yeah. that's just because it's goes yes. back to the beginning of baseball and welcome Luther King. But he, you know, in Connie Mack's day, it was a manager, wasn't a coach. The only time a team did without a manager was in the early 1960s. The Cubs put together a group called the College of Coaches, and they tried to replace one manager with a bunch of coaches, one of whom was the late and beloved Buck O'Neill. But uh, but really, going back to Connie Mack and, and Wilbert Robinson and forever, baseball has always been run by a manager. And, and just to okay. confuse matters even more, Malcolm, um, yeah. the, the baseball manager has coaches underneath him, first base coach, third base coach, pitching coach, hitting coach, bench right. coach. You so know, are the right. coaches on the other sports, they have assistant coaches. I know, but exactly. but, but it, it's the manager and then a bunch of coaches for, for baseball. The only yeah. thing I can I can think of is there used Head to be coach. player there used to be, there used to be player managers. Um, you know, or, or early, early in baseball, you know, a thousand years ago. Into the <laughs> into the nineteen forties, I think Lou Woodrow yeah. was one. So, but you know, to really muddy the waters, um, the British, the Premier League, their their boss is also a manager. He's not a coach. They may have coaches under him like we do in American baseball, but their big guy is a manager for each of the leadership teams. I think that's next point is on the next points on the cheating. Like uh, I think it was Peter was saying cheating's been going on forever in football at least in baseball. And I hearken it back to NASCAR in the six in the seventies and the eighties. There was a lot of cheating going on in the people, the drivers, owners would cheat by doing this or doing that, getting better fuel mileage and whatever. And then they came out with this one guy, Nelson, who used to be a crew chief. And they said, OK, let's make him in charge of competition. He can do the inspecting because he's a crew chief. He knows how to cheat. He can catch these guys. And sure enough, they put him in, and the cheating just curtailed by immensely. Now what you have is you have NASCAR making all of the parts just about for the teams so they can't cheat on those parts. And then they have templates that all all the cars have to form to, so you can't cheat there. If you do cheat a little bit, you get penalized for it. But uh, so, you know, it's it's hard to, to curtail it or do anything, but you got to try your best at it. But Malcolm, let's take this one step further. You basically hit on a point, but I want to back up a little bit because let's not forget the folks in the Big Ten wanted immediate, swift action. They waited and... for two years until they finally felt like they had enough on Harbaugh and Michigan, where the new commissioner the news are the Big Ten, Petiti basically was forced to do something. Yeah, and how much? Because the constituents wanted action. The Big Ten. How much? How much big, did the Big Ten think? You know, we better do something before the NCAA well, the comes big, the, down on us. The Big and Ten we're not doing something. The Big Ten in their um, contracts slash rules and regulations, they have the automatic autonomy to do something immediate and swift until the NCAA comes up with their findings. 
or whenever they decide to release the report. So because of that, the Big Ten and Commissioner Petiti basically told the big told Michigan on the day before they were heading to Happy Valley, aka State College, that as of the game on Saturday, your coach is not allowed to be on the sideline until this, until further notice. So Luther, just to muddy the waters a bit, Mitch was on. I don't know if you had a chance to hear him. No, I, I, I just think... I just came on about four thirty. Yeah. So one of, one I, of the... I had to I had to go find I had to go find the input. <laughs> but that's okay. But one of the things that Mitch pointed out is that one of the things that Harbaugh is going to argue in court is does the Big Ten in fact have the authority to do what they're doing? Well, and to answer your, well, to answer your question for the moment, I guess it does because I guess with every conference. The NCAA basically allows their allows a conference to have the meritocracy to basically impose their own punishment until the NCAA decides. And I well, mean, again, that that's that apparently is is the interpretation that you it's it's interpretation. You may be very right, but th- there's a court hearing on Saturday, and one of the yes. things, you know, or Friday, sorry. Well, I, well, here's the thing. I don't well, know. if the Big Ten imposes penalties on Harbaugh and he uh, does the penalties, this, this is, isn't this, he going to be under double jeopardy if the NCAA no, wants to no, impose penalties? No, that's a whole different ballgame because you have the conference side and then you have the NCAA. If, if Michigan gets the injunction where the Big Ten has to stand down, then he can coach the last two games plus the championship game plus the playoff. And then when the NCAA comes down with their findings, that will be the only ones that will stand. If they lose the injunction hearing, then the penalty for the from the Big Ten will stand, and whatever else the NCAA Pre-game decides to do will also be imposed. But so I, no, I, I, it's I, not I, double jeopardy. My my guess is uh, people always say this about Harbaugh that he's just looking for he he, he wants to go back to the pros. That's and what he wants. Well, but the point is, I think uh, he he is you know he he is one of these coaches. Whatever you think of his uh, he, behavior, he, he, he wins. We win. He goes. You're right. Yeah, and so I, mean, I think he, there, there's there's going to be a, a, a coach <laughs> take pick the Los Angeles uh, Chargers for example. L.A. Chargers, yeah, the Chicago Bears because yeah. I, I could see Matty Rufus getting fired. Yeah, there there. You know what? If he stays at the college level, there's there's going to be there's at least two SEC jobs that came open today. Mississippi State and Arkansas. Oh, and did, all, did all three of them? Because I know Texas A&M. You well, know, Texas A&M came open this morning. Right. Mississippi State came open this afternoon. So I, I haven't heard anything on Arkansas, but I'm hearing that they're working out a way to go ahead and change Sam Pittman because it's been another disaster. Oh, he's been awful. Uh, and Oh, he, he's been beyond awful. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I, uh, but I, I'm hearing Gus Malzahn could come back, but Arkansas folk – some Arkansas folks are really pissed. Excuse my French, hello, Lennon, that Gus Malzahn screwed them at the drive-thru the first time a job for um, Arkansas came open. So some of the fan base really don't want him back. But if Arkansas, if Arkansas's favorite son comes home, they just have to live with it. Malcolm, and then you go to the go to the coaching aspect of it. What you were saying about. <laughs> 
coaches and um, Belichick and Tom Brady. I I honestly believe that Brady made Belichick the coach he was before. He definitely the last, did. He uh, did that absolutely. And keep, and keep now, in mind, you take you take John McKay at USC in the sixties oh. and the seventies. There's a top notch coach. He had it going. He went to and the, then he went to the NFL, and what happened? And what a disaster. happened? Disaster. He disaster. He couldn't adjust. So, but, but here's the thing, though. I don't think Belichick's going to get fired, but I think what's going to happen is, well, Kraft think, isn't happy. Well, Kraft isn't happy, but I think Kraft has the power to do something about it and tell Belichick, "Hey, Bill, you need to get some of these guys back here and fix this." Because they released you, uh, they released Jack Jones today. Well, good. Well, good. He's been terrible. I mean, look, it's not. It, here's the thing. I, I was talking to a friend about this today, and I was I was naming off like five or six quarterbacks that basically, no matter what the situation is, they're going to do better. All the all the rest of these quarterbacks, it feels like these quarterbacks have had the work. They have to literally carry the world on their shoulders. And they don't have the personnel to do it. If New England wants to fix this easy, this is an easy fix. Get a good five, get a good run game, find some receivers on the outside, and get a couple of tight ends. That's how you fix this little problem. I think you look at a lot of these teams in the past, like Miami Dolphins and Don Shula. Who did he have? Greasy? Made him a good team. He had a, they had a hell of a run there. Uh, you take Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh had their good coach, uh, Noel, and they had a hell of a run there. So Tom Landry and the Cowboys. And then so they had quarterbacks backing them up and making them a good team. So quarterbacks are important, but you've got to have other people too. But remember, the supply always outweighs the demand. Because for every person that wants a quarterback, how many other teams actually can get one? Look at, what the, look at what the Arizona Cardinals did. The Arizona Cardinals basically got Josh Jobs with basically a bucket of balls. They treated the seventh and got a sixth. A bargain basement deal, kind of like what you see in baseball, where you're looking for some, uh, you know, a cheap fix to a, a long term problem. Look at us here. We have an offensive line that can't block with the crap. We, the Patriots and us, almost are similar. Because Matt Jones can do it. It's just the fact he doesn't have the, he doesn't have the personnel around him. Speaking, I mean, it's, it's of, not. I mean, of coaches. I'm sorry, Luther. Keep going. But no, th- this is this is coaching. And I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go back to what we discussed when Upton Bell was here. Let's go back to 2021. Do you remember that little Frankenstein experiment that Bill put in place? Remember when Andy Reid put Luis Castillo as an old line coach and he was a D-line or whatever it was? What did you think was going to happen? I mean, after all, what did you think was going to happen? Your quarterback's going to regress. A guy, Guys that have never been in that position to coach offense in their life, and you're going to ask them to, oh, get our quarterback, Mac Jones, better. They're only going to make it worse. And since McDaniels has been gone, the offense hasn't been run smoothly. And I think they're going to have to get McDaniels back in there as OC. And you would think O'Brien would make it run smoothly, but I think it's all about the talent, too. It's all about the talent. And that's what I've been trying to tell people. 
It's not a, it's look, part of it's coaching, yes, but most of this is the same thing we've got here in Tennessee. The same thing the Green Bay Packers have. Sometimes power, sometimes sometimes it's not all about coaching. Most of this how much power does a head coach of a football team have in choosing players, well, drafting let me, players? Let me put it this way. There are some head coaches, you look at a you look at a Bill Parcells. When Bill Parcells is like, you know, I'm coaching the team and I want to shop for some of the groceries. And they, they want me to cook the meal and I want to shop for some of the groceries. Well, look at look at look at the disaster that Billy O'Brien did with the Houston Texans. F that whole roster up. And now that they have D'Amico Ryan's just coaching. Look at what that look at what they're doing. They got a quarterback in place. They have a good wide receiver. They got some good receivers. They got a couple of good decent backs. They got a tight end. And voila, they're five and four. And I just want to I just want to interrupt in the division. I just want to interrupt to ask Deanna if there are any more hands raised. We have about five minutes left on the show. So Deanna, do we have anybody waiting? Yes, you have one hand up, um, Diane Scalzi. Diane, oh. okay, Malcolm, Diane. thank you thank as you, Malcolm, always you. for your contribution. Diane. Thank you, guys. Are you? You're next. You're welcome. All right, C- can you hear me? Yes, yes ma'am, we can. Okay, well, um, <laughs> I, I was going to say that the <laughs> the guy that is is who supposedly did the uh, sign stealing for Michigan is a guy named Connor Stallions. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he, we're hearing, uh, of course, you know, I think part of the problem is that not not enough has come out about the story that they should have done what they did yet. They should have let things kind of run their course a little more. But anyway, um, he, uh, we're hearing that he absolutely um, loves the University of Michigan and that he had dreams of coaching for the University of Michigan someday. Oh. And so he would do anything that he thought he could do to help them. Um, of course, if he's looking for a coaching career, he might have ruined it by now. He, he'll probably have to, if he wants a coaching career, he'll probably go to an OD3 level. Yeah. So, but anyway, the, you know, there's been a lot uh, about him and what he's done on the uh, on the sports talk around here. Ugh. So, <laughs> what, and, what you, uh, since, yeah. since your boots on the ground and when you listen to, Sports talk. Where do you, where do you think for folks down there? Where do they think this ends? Because they're saying there's a lot of evidence out there that Stallions did what he did. And he retired and he resigned. I think what that Friday or the day after everything started to come out. Is he? Yeah, he, he did fast. Yeah, he he did resign rather suddenly. Um. So. Yeah, I think, I think they, um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where it ends and it'll be interesting to see what comes out on other schools, because if they're not the only ones doing it, then I think they should, you know, punish everybody that's doing it. So what I, I think, I think we're basically, basically stumbling into here is at some point college football needs his art. Because I'm afraid we're getting to the point where college football, the NFL, and a few other major sports, if the government gets involved in this and they start sniffing around and they start seeing that smoke, 
they're not going to like what they see. Mm-hmm. I just have a fear where the government's going to be like, either you folks clean this up or we'll clean it up for you and you're not going to like it. That's what I'm afraid we're heading to if these major sports don't clean it up. Luther, you're, for, you're, you're, you're forgetting one critical factor. And we talk about this all the time. Uh, and that is the, 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 the amount of money involved with the sports that, that well, just, yeah, the game, that, the, that, the that's gambling connected, that's yeah. connected with winning. Yeah. And people will do anything to win. I mean, exactly. You know, but the, but, the, it, but the, yeah, but the question yeah. is though, at what cost? Because at some point, you have you have to take that into account. You have to. Oh, believe me, people have sold their souls to the devil themselves for a lot less than a, co- a coaching career. A whole yeah, try, lot less try, than try, Judas, try Judas Iscariot, thirty pieces of silver. He was thirty so pieces bad. of silver. He, there he you was go. So he, look, I know we don't talk Christian on the show, but he was so bad. He, he, he was so he was so ingrained himself and committed suicide. And, and you don't want the government, by the way. You don't want the government. No, you don't. But here's they, the thing: remember, though. they are the people who created both Amtrak and the U.S. Postal Service. Uh, and they you both don't made a want. Total, and, well, oh. That was nice, but they shouldn't get involved in too many other things. You know? No, yeah, bad idea. <laughs> bad get idea. them out. Keep them out of both baseball but the, but and the, But the thing is, it's the look. If the government's going to be bent on something, they'll find a way to sneak the nose in it somehow. They always we have do. Uh, we have <laughs> uh, we have one minute. I didn't know if anybody was uh, with a hand raised to have a minute to talk. That Deanna, do we have anybody else? No, it just your Mr. King came in and and he's already talking. Well, I'm, so, I'm Mr. Mr. King. I I must uh, 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 put my Missouri for Missouri hat on. Your team kicked the crap out of Tennessee. They I did. Mean, I didn't. I didn't. My I, surprise. I didn't uh, see that one coming. I didn't I either. Mean, after the first drive of the game, I'm like, "What the heck?" I kept looking at the score, and I'm like, "Is this Missouri team this good, or is Tennessee well, the biggest frauds in the SEC?" Well, uh, and Missouri now plays Florida, and they play Arkansas. They may end up ten. They two. they may get to nine wins. Well, no, well, they're ready to eight. Well, they they they, get, they might they, get to ten. They might get to ten. I mean, they and should look, be they, Florida they and they be, should be Arkansas. I mean, it's is, amazing. I think the SEC is not nearly as good as it used to be. Well, here, uh, that's another thing, conversation and, for another and, time. Well, guess time. what? I we got about thirty seconds. When we get Texas and OU in here, your normal suspects plus them for all these other schools is going to be a lot harder. Yep, I'm just going uh, to tell you: okay. the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Texases, the Oklahomas. It will be harder. We <clears> shall <throat> see. Well, uh, our time is up for this edition of Sports Roundtable. It was a fast show as always. I want to thank everybody, Don, Luther, Peter, yeah. and, of course, Deanna for being our host and everybody else that participated on the program. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week, and uh, we'll find fans. out if the Yankees make a trade. We'll find out if Belichick's still here. A few things we'll find out. There, about. There, oh, and you and, guys uh, touch on – Estrada being updated because we talked about that last week. We'll too. talk about that too, hopefully. Okay, go safe with God's blessings, everybody. 